for just joining in prayer. <laughs> it, uh, when I think of Rob's life and that he's given 25 years to ministry, and um, if you've read any studies or anything that have come out since 2020, um, it's not just people that are leaving congregations, but it's pastors that um, are searching for something else to do um, because not always <laughs> are people um, that call themselves Jesus followers um, salt and light. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about uh, for the next few weeks is what does it look like to be salt and light? Um, because that is what we're called to be in this world. You know, we're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. And um, we're going to talk about it in some specific references, but as, as always, I hope you'll hear this message through the ears that this should be for your friendships, this should be for your marriages, this should be for how you are as an employee, this should be for how you are as a boss, this should be for how you are as a customer in a store or a restaurant, this should be what we embody in a daily, daily existence. So um, when I think of 25 years of laying down his life, uh, I know he would say it's an honor and it's a joy and it's a privilege. And yeah, it can be hard. It can be hard. So um, I don't even feel guilty or greedy saying this when I say I covet your prayers all the time, all the time. And um, so thank you, uh, for the fact that you do pray for us, and um, we don't take that for granted. So if you'll pray with me. Father God, we come before you and, um, tonight, and we just, um, we just fix our eyes on you. We fix our hearts on you, Lord, and um, so grateful for an opportunity on Sundays to gather together um, to be family and to hear your word and to grow and be shaped into your likeness. And um, God, I pray that each one would leave here different than the way they walked in, that we would continually be challenged um, to look at ourselves and to hear your heart for us and to understand your grace and your love that's been poured out for us and how that changes us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> in the book of Matthew, and if you do have your Bibles, um, I encourage you to take them out, or if you have the Bible on your phone, that is a great place. Um, I'm going to be in Matthew 5 here for a minute. And it, it's probably, well, people say, and I would say it's probably Jesus' um, most popular sermon. And I'm going to start in verse 3, and it says this. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And here's the the scripture that we're going to be coming back to again and again over the next few weeks. He says, you, that's you. So you can, I know you're getting a mirror right now. You can look in the mirror because this is directed to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You, again, you can look in your mirror, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, salt is interesting because it's not an element useful to itself. Like myself and my my little friend, I don't, is she still there? She go to class? She was just eating her butter alone, and I was like, yes, girl, I want to eat my butter alone too, because it is delicious. But who picks up salt and just is like, I'm just going to eat this salt, you know? It's, it's not an element, did someone say they do, <laughs> useful to itself. Its value comes when it's applied on other things, like what? Like french fries, right? I mean, who's had an unsalty french fry? No, thank you. You've had one? No, thank you. I don't want to, you know what? My husband bought like a box of all those little bags of mini bags of chips. And there was the Lay's that have ridges, you know, and I took a bag out the other day. Not an ounce of salt in that bag of chips. Not one. I was like, these, these aren't any good. And then he handed me another bag of them today for lunch and they were full of salt. So I think that got the double dose, that little bag. And I was like, oh, thank God these had salt on them. But just like that analogy, the followers of Jesus are called to exist for other people. We're called to exist for others. And Jesus warns us that salt can lose its taste. And if it loses its taste, it loses its value, you know? And in that same way, light functions in order to allow humans to see. And, you know, for us, it's hard to imagine a world without light because we've had light for most of our existence. We have to go somewhere without light to understand what it's like. Like one time we took a trip and we went down in a cave underground and they turned the flashlights off at the same time. And they're like, just so you know, like you're not going to understand how dark it is when we turn this light off. Like you're not going to be able to see your hand in front of your face. But In the ancient world, that was normal. When it was dark, it was dark. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it gives this example. It says, in darkness, we grope like the blind along a wall, groping like those who have no eyes. That's dark. It's very dark. 
And when Jesus speaks of this, the light is not simply to allow others to see whatever they want, but it is for others to witness the acts of love, of goodness, of justice, and mercy that Jesus' followers were made to perform. Christians, followers of Jesus, living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and walking in obedience to Christ, are meant to influence the world for good, period. Period. And just like salt has a positive influence on the flavor of food, it's what we're called to do, have a positive influence of flavor in every place that we're called to be. We're called to be peacemakers. We're meant to be ministers of Christ, binding up wounds. And where there's hatred, we're called to exemplify the love of God. In the analogy of the light of the world, the good works of Christ followers are to be for others to see and to go, what is that? Why are they like that? Why are they like that? The presence of Christians in the world must be like a light in the darkness. So what prevents us from fulfilling our roles as salt and light in the world? Because the truth is, Christians don't have the best name out there, do they? And, and you know, a woman gave a talk yesterday at the conference, and she goes, you know what, guys, that's on us. <laughs> We're the reason that Christians have a bad rap. There's a reason why we're not seen as salt and light. In Mark 9.50, it suggests that saltiness can be lost specifically through a lack of peace with one another. This follows the command to have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. And in Luke 14, we find a reference to the metaphor of salt again. And this time it's in a reference of being obedient to Jesus. That the loss of saltiness can occur in our failure to daily take up our cross and follow Jesus. I personally think one of our biggest hindrances is when we make a choice to compromise or settle for what is most convenient, popular, and comfortable instead of what is truly best and pleasing to the Lord. When we're walking in humility and when we're walking in obedience to the Lord, salt and light are simply a part of who we are. It oozes out of us. We can't help it. We bring the light of Christ when we walk in a room, when we're walking in that influence. We're meant to light up a space. When someone says something like, I'll just use my daughter Megan as an example. All the time people are like, she lights up a room. You know what? She can be a really nice person, but really what lights up the room is Holy Spirit inside of her. That's what it is. That is the light inside of us, and we're meant to let that light shine. There's a reason why we sing that song when we're little, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Too many of us have hid it under a bush, <laughs> which is what that song 
encourage us not to do. When we move away from that lifestyle of obedience and humility, then the distinctions between us and the rest of the world become blurry, and our testimony is hindered. Only by remaining focused on Jesus and being obedient to him can we expect to remain salt and light in the world. When we were in Vegas, we rented a big 12-passenger van, and that's what we drove from our hotel to the church where the conference was. And there was two fields that we passed by, and they were literally full of signs, of all the signs for the elections coming up. So we got to see people's pictures on their signs. Maybe there was you know, some sillier pictures and other ones and, and that type of thing. And then we were talking about the names and which name would stick in your head if you went to the voting poll because oftentimes if you're not educating yourself, you don't even know what a candidate stands for. So when you go to vote, you end up voting on a name that you remember or you end up voting straight one party or straight another party, however you choose to do it. But what was completely made aware is we're moving into election season once again. Or as I like to refer to it, the Wild West. The Wild West. And that is what happens when these seasons come around in the last, I don't even, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years. Um, it's all kind of a blur now. Where all of a sudden, you want to mute your brother-in-law online or you want to shut down a discussion that happens at Thanksgiving or you politely excuse yourself from a conversation um, because what's hidden underneath isn't always salt and light and everything starts to bubble up to the surface. And even... I don't care if you're left or right or in the middle or, or apathetic. You don't care about politics at all. What a season like this does in people is because of all the external phrase all around us and all the constant conversation and things happening on the news channels and televisions, is for any person that's already weary or hanging by a thread, it takes one comment or one conversation from somebody else and they snap. And everything comes out. But what I wonder is if you noticed that when others sin in that way, or any way for that matter, we become judges. But when we sin, in that way or any way, we become defense attorneys. We all have the tendency to make our stuff small while making a big deal about other people's stuff. I recently heard someone say about people in the church that some of them seem to have the spiritual gift of criticism. And I know we kind of giggle about that. But I think we kind of giggle about that because it hits a nerve. 
We've become a people of looking outward and making judgments on the fly with little to no information. And I know that this is true of every situation in our lives. From how someone else is driving, to how someone serves our table, to how our child or our spouse reacts to something, maybe how somebody parents, why someone is unemployed, why someone is not unemployed, why the church service happens the way it did, maybe the music was too loud, maybe it wasn't loud enough, or why or how a group or a person votes. As people that claim Jesus, people who claim to be disciples of Jesus, if we're not careful, we will find that we're quick to adopt the ways of our culture and of the world. We will be the ones criticizing, arguing, demonizing, blaming, and justifying. We can become those people. And we know our world and our culture grows more and more loud and, and hostile, and we're called to influence the world in a different way. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. So how do we be salt and light? How do we attempt to gain that peace in our inner self? How do we do that when the world literally feels like it's on fire? And I think the most important thing we can do is take a good, long, hard look in the mirror. Take a good, long look in the mirror. In Matthew 7, 1 through 5, it says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And if anybody ever says Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor, this proves he has a sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, literally the picture of me coming up to Dave to take a look. I'm like, you've got this little tiny speck and I've got this big log in my own eye. I mean, if there's not a better way to use an analogy, I have no idea. It says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't even see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of that log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Here's the thing. We have this proclivity toward judging others without having first judged ourselves. And Jesus said we should stare into the mirror long before we look out the window and see what everybody else is doing. But what do we do? Oh, my gosh. We love to go to the window and just look and look and look and look. And if you think this isn't you, you guys, take this message home with you in your heart this week. Because I've been living and breathing this message, you know, as I've been thinking about it for the last month. I make snap judgments all the time. My sister and I are in a, um, 
Wordle group with my mom. And my sister sent a screenshot of her friend's Wordle that she did at 2 in the morning. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's she doing up at 2 in the morning? You know, and I sent it in a text, but literally that was my attitude inside. She's like, well, you know, she's a mom of two autistic kids. So she and her husband take shifts every night because the kids wander the house. And if they're not up with them, they will get hurt. You guys, talk about the fact we literally know nothing about what people are going through or doing. And we judge all the time. We just, we're just making quick, quick calculations everywhere we go about people's circumstances and lives. We can't live that way if we're going to look different. And you guys, the world is desperate for us to be different because even though the world's on fire, people are looking for level-headed, calm, loving people to have a conversation with and to bring hope into their life. This is a really good kind of checklist for us, for ourselves. A Christian is the church. A religious person just goes to church. So are you a person that's going to church to be a consumer, or are you living your life as the church all week long. A Christian talks about Jesus. A religious person talks about others. A Christian desires restoration. A religious person judges. In Romans 14, 10 through 11, it says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. A Christian sees his or her own sin first. A religious person only sees everyone else's sin. A Christian always finds a way to praise God. A religious person always finds a way to criticize Just like any other sin, being religious has consequences and leads to death, where confession and repentance lead to life. They always lead to life. Making eye contact with yourself is a remedy for hypocrisy. When I stare at myself good and long in the mirror, God is faithful is faithful you guys and it's never condemning and it's never mean and it's never cruel it's always tender and kind when he brings stuff up inside of me that I need to deal with where my heart has not been right so I challenge us what if we went to places and into situations and online with a heart not to be served or to be right, but with a heart to serve and to listen. I think of examples like women's gatherings or men's gatherings or young adults. 
Sometimes we let our insecurities get in the way of doing things or our assumptions of what it will be like, and we judge. We judge what it's going to be before we ever get there. But what if we went to just love somebody? What if we just asked God, how can I love someone this week? How can I see them? And how can I be on mission for you? And maybe that's the brother-in-law that you muted or the person who doesn't vote the same way. Because, you know, we can love people and listen without agreeing. That is possible. Jesus said crazy things, like turn the other cheek, love your enemy. You know, the enemy that we have in this world is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the only way to defeat the enemy is with the cross, to pick up our cross every single day and to die to ourselves. You know, Peter, when Jesus said he was going to the cross, Peter said, never. And what did Jesus say? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. The cross is the only way. The only way. You guys, it's our only way to deny ourselves. When an entire society is estranged from God, people get angry and they get anxious. And that is what the way people get when they don't get what they want. And that is the world we're living in today. That's why people are angry and anxious. They haven't gotten their way. And they're nervous and they're scared. And you know what? We have nothing to fear because Jesus already has the victory. And that's where our allegiance lies is with him and him alone. He is the hope of the world. Pastor Andy Stanley, he's an author and a pastor. He said this recently. He said, everything that disturbs you about the culture of America emanates from the sinful, selfish, self-centered, appetite-fueled, fear-driven condition of the human heart. No government system, no political platform, no bill, no law or mandate can change the human heart. And that is absolutely true. Does it mean we shouldn't care about social and political issues? Absolutely not. We should care deeply. But it means we do not behave the same, sound the same, or look the same as the world does. Because our motivation comes from God's heart and God's compassion, and his mercy, and his love, because he died for every single person, period. And he cares about every single person, period. So to have a peaceful, joyful life full of salt and light, we have to die to ourselves, because deep happiness comes when we do that. And when we say yes to our deepest desire, which is God and his way, which is the only way. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, I'm going to pray for myself, and I'm going to ask people 
if this is your prayer in your heart, then just agree with me in it. But Lord, I know, <laughs> I know that I know that I can be quick to judge when you are quick to love. So would you remind me when I get in that place, God, would you, would you remind me of your heart and would you change my heart and make it quick to love? Would you enable me to love and seek to understand others? Would you give me understanding? Because I think of the way you love and understand me, Lord, and that is the way you love and understand every person. So would you give me that desire to listen, to look, to hear, and to not pass judgment on people as I go about my life so busy about my business, God? And would you give me the strength to pick up my cross and to die, die to myself And to live a life that looks so opposite of the world that people can't help but want to know what that is and who that is. And would you help me to light up the room when I walk in? Because I've been with you and I've been in your presence because that's the only thing that will change me and cause me to bring light into the dark. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys have some discussion questions.